Happy New Year and welcome to the first Off the Bench podcast of 2022, presented by the Alibaba Group. I'm Chris Miller of NBC Sports Washington. From my family to yours, we wish you a healthy, safe, and prosperous new year. On this latest episode, we go down a level and chat with Capital City Go-Go head coach and D.C. native Mike Williams. Williams grew up attending Wizards games and was a huge fan. Now he's roaming the sidelines helping grow and develop potential Washington Wizards. At 25, Williams is one of the youngest head coaches in North American professional sports. We talk about his journey from Gonzaga College High School in D.C. to the University of Maryland to now working for Monumental Basketball since 2018. Just a reminder, make sure you download and subscribe and leave a comment to the Off the Bench podcast. Here now is Capital City Go-Go head coach, Mike Williams. Capital One Arena is partnering with Clear to help Wizards fans get into home games faster for free. Beat the crowds on game day and enter through the Clear lane at the 7th and G Street entrance across from Clyde's. Download the free Clear app and get started today by selecting Wizards. When you arrive, you'll take a quick picture at the Clear Pod to confirm you are you, and then walk right in. Download the free Clear app today to get started. Hey, Mike, what's good, brother? How are you? Happy New Year. I'm doing well. Happy New Year, Chris. Appreciate you uh, having me. Appreciate you being on. I, I want to start by uh, congratulating you kind of in public, you know, in private. We've had that moment where I was just... So happy for you. I've known you since what, 2018. And mm -hmm. for many people, you really, as the kids like to say, you came through the mud, man. You kind of worked your way up, regardless of just being 25 years old. It's your journey is one that I think we should probably highlight first. Kind of explain to our podcast listeners how it all started for you. Sure, I appreciate that, Chris. Uh, I started off as a student manager at, uh, at the University of Maryland. Sorry, let me back up. I got to represent my Purple Eagles here. I started off as a manager at- Gonzaga. Actually, can we just go straight to the college? We don't have to tell people where you went to high school. No, I'll just get, go ahead. <laughs> I started off as a manager at Gonzaga, which is in downtown DC, off North Capitol Street. And then from there, I was a manager at the University of Maryland and a grad assistant there. And that's kind of where I got the first inkling that I wanted to get into coaching. Um, we had a really good player development system there. And uh, I got introduced to a lot of people who were actually working with the Wizards at the time including Ryan Richmond and Ryan Lumpkin, who I knew, and David Atkins. Um, and so that was kind of my first introduction into coaching and player development. And then after I graduated, uh, finished grad school, I went to Portland and interned for the Blazers for a few months in the summer. And then following that year, I, um, I was hired by the Wizards as a player development assistant. And just, I've been in the organization now for this is my fourth year, so. Yeah, before we get to the Wizards, I want, I want to go even further back. I, I was reading up before we did the podcast where your mom and dad really just talked about how much you love the game of basketball, even as a young kid. And interestingly enough, being from D.C., you were a Wizards fan. Yeah. I guess you still are a Wizards fan. You just work for the team, but it's different, right? But like, even describe at that point as a kid, where did your love of the game come from? Yeah, I mean, I, I was just a, I was just around it. I just gravitated toward it. My friends and I in the neighborhood, we just play play outside. We had like, yeah, one of the hoops that you had to put the water or the sand in, and we just roll <laughs> to the street and start playing out there. Uh, but I just always loved the game. And then I think I probably went to my first game when I was probably like around eight or nine years old, uh, and I was just like, man, this is the coolest thing. 
And then from there, it was just, you know, I had all the trading cards and you're watching YouTube videos and highlights as you grow up. And then eventually you have access to different softwares and you watch just film all day. Um, it's just been a part of my life, I guess. It's not like my parents didn't play. I don't have a brother or uncle or sister who played. It's just, it's just a game that I was gravitated toward and I just loved it. Do you remember the game that your dad took you to when you sat courtside and you watched the Wizards take on the Sixers? Yeah, we were we were sitting like maybe three or four rows up. It was for my 10th birthday. And it was at the time it was Allen Iverson versus Gilbert Arenas, two of my favorite players. And uh man, I was the coolest. Thing. I remember just screaming at the top of my lungs, trying to get some get one of their attention. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't work, you know, stuff little kids do, but that was one of my fondest basketball memories um growing up. So I, I understand you've had some heartbreak with the game, kind of trying out and then not making the team, but instead of that being kind of like, well, I'll just move on from it, your desire and love grew. Can you explain to people what that was like, kind of getting cut, but yet still finding a purpose in the game of basketball? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I was cut twice <laughs> in high school. Honestly, I, I wasn't good enough. I deserved to be cut. Um, but I wanted to stay involved. I didn't want that to be the end of the story. I just, I didn't know what else I would I would have done. And so Coach Turner, uh, Coach Steve Turner, was gracious enough allow, to allow me to help the team out and just be around. And I traveled with the team and did all that. Um, and it was just a great way to just continue being involved in the game. You know, I wasn't going to go do theater or band or try another sport. No, I, I love hoops, and so that's what I was going to do. Just had to kind of pivot the pivot the path a little bit. How did you kind of cope with the rejection? Yeah. How did you I mean, deal with that? Yeah. I mean, in the moment at 14, 15 years old, it hurts. Um, but I didn't, I wasn't going to just dwell on it. Like I, I, I felt like I gave it a, a good shot. You know, I tried, tried my hardest, tried my best, and it just didn't work out. And honestly, it was probably one of the first lessons, or at least the earliest lessons or memories I have of just, Understand that things don't always work out how you want them to work out, but you have to adjust and, and figure it out anyway. You can't, you don't have time to sulk and complain about it. You got to move forward and, and get past it. And so that's that's kind of what I did. What's it like today? If you talk to Steve Turner and you go, hey, look at me now, coach. I'm like, um, I'm coaching <laughs> at the Capital City Go Go in DC. What's it like? <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I just, like I said, I deserve to be cut. He, he made the right decision. <laughs> Um, and I'm very appreciative of him and we stay in communication and he said he, we talked right after I got I was, I was hired for this job um, you know I, I've been to a few games the schedules kind of conflict quite a bit but I've been to a few games since since working in, in, in the, at this level um, and he, he's been tremendous <laughs> yeah full disclosure Mike and I for years have kind of gone back and forth <laughs> when the Stags would take on the Eagles. You know, my son graduated, played basketball at Tabatha. So you and I would always go back and forth. I remember being on road trips and Gonzaga was playing Tabatha. We'd be looking to see what the score was and stuff like that. It's uh, But as you know, you know, basketball is so entrenched into this community. Um, I, I, I want to get to what I call for you, the bubble of opportunity. Can you talk about when the bubble was going on, how that kind of springboarded you to where you are now? Sure. So I'll back up to the NBA bubble first, because that was the first one that I went to. And after our season was paused in March, um, you know, we were doing a bunch of Zoom workouts and things like that. And I was so fortunate to have, I was able to do the player development stuff and the video stuff. And so when it came time to make a choice as to who was going, 
you know, I was chosen to go to the NBA bubble. And so I was doing the video stuff and I was doing the player development stuff and kind of merging those two things together. And that was the first inkling. I was like, okay, this is, this is pretty cool. I have a skill or, or a few skills that are valuable to the organization. And then fast forward, you know, to, I guess, February of 2021 or January, 2021, I was chosen to go to the G League bubble you know, we, the Go-Go didn't field a team, so we merged with the Erie Bayhawks, who are now the Birmingham Squadron. Um, and when I was in that meeting with Tommy, Tommy Shepard, he said, you're going to go down there and be with our guys. We sent five guys, including Cassius Winston, uh, to the bubble. And he said, yeah, you're going to head coach two games. I was like, uh, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, yeah, you're going you're to coach two games. I already... I already talked to Ryan Pinnock, who's the head coach now, and uh, he said, pick two that you want, and, and you're going to coach those games. And so that was really the first inkling where I was like, okay, this is my this might be really something that I can do, being a head coach in the G League. Um, but again, I remember that first game we played, the Austin Spurs, I was so nervous. I was like, man, I don't, I don't know. And we ended up being down 25 in the second quarter, and then we ended up coming back. We lost by seven at the end. Um, but no, I doubt you're right. It was That was kind of the, the springboard to, to today. Um, it's just very fortunate that Honestly, Tommy and Amber believed in me um, because without them, you know, it, it wouldn't happen. You know, there's something to be said about what's happening with monumental basketball. And, you know, Tommy oftentimes talks about, you know, they don't check passports. They don't check driver's license either. They don't really care how old you are. You know, I look at Amber as, as a young executive, but it, she doesn't sound like one when you talk to her and clearly she knows what the heck she's doing. I look at you being 25 years old, but yet Tommy wasn't afraid to put you in moments where you've got a coach kind of trial by fire, figure it out. Uh, what, what does it say about kind of like the, the thought process of upper management there putting people in positions to succeed? Yeah, I mean, first, you know, they, they believe in who we are as people beyond what we think about the game or how I see the game or how Amber sees the game. They believe in us, believe in us as good, good people and people with good character. And I, th I think that's first and foremost. Beyond that, I mean, I think they've invested in us for a while. Like Amber started as an intern here. I started as a player development system. So they've seen us grow within the organization and, and Tommy and an upper management, they've said, okay, he, he checks this box or she checks that box. And, Okay, he has this, he has room to grow here, but he can grow through making mistakes in this role. Um, so I think it just speaks to the commitment and investment in us as young coaches and young young executives um, to help us grow within the organization, just continue to blossom. And then you get what I call again the bubble of opportunity to getting the phone call that you're going to be the new Capital City Go Go head coach. Mm -hmm. uh, what was that like? And then who was the first person you called? Yeah, it was amazing. We were we were in Vegas. We had just finished working out, uh, doing a workout at Thomas and Max Center, and I got a call saying, you know, we got it. Tommy, this was Tommy on the phone. He said, "We got to meet." Like, All right, Tommy. <laughs> okay. And then um, he and Amber and I, we we went downstairs. We were standing in the hotel, and and they presented to me, and I was just floored. I, I was so excited, um, appreciative, gratitude, grateful. And then the first one I called my mom. <laughs> And she uh, she was driving. She put over to the side of the road, like screaming in the phone. I had to like remove the phone from my ears. She was so loud. <laughs> um, but now that that moment was really really cool. And then right after that, I got COVID. <laughs> and so I'm in I'm in the hotel room making calls, trying to figure out staff and all this other stuff. 
but honestly, it was it was kind of cool to have that time. I mean, I stuck to be in the room for 10 days straight like that. But again, I had all day to just kind of prepare and organize and things like that. So it was it was a blessing in disguise. You talked about COVID and it's been, you know, we've kind of gone through three seasons of it already. It's almost normal. How have you kind of managed it in terms of like your mental space? Because I ask a lot of people about it. We all kind of deal with it differently. But how have you been able to kind of navigate COVID? Yeah, I, th I think one of the biggest things, especially when we paused the season the first time in March of 2020, um, you know, I just, I had to make sure that I made time for basketball, but then also made time for other interests. I love to read books. And so I'm, a, I'm an avid reader, so I would make time to read, but also make time two hours in the morning or two hours in the evening or whatever it was to watch film, just to stay sharp. And then beyond that, you have to understand, okay, there's nothing I can really do about COVID. I, obviously, I'm not smart enough to make it go away. And there's people who are working diligently to do that. But, okay, this is what's in front of us. How do I make the best out of this situation? I, I mean, one of, the, one of the things we always talk about with the go-go now is make lemonade. And when we say that, it's like, okay, you get dealt a bad hand, how are you going to respond, right? And again, with COVID, it's like, how are you going to respond? Are you going to just sulk and complain and do some other stuff? Or are you going to try to be productive with it um, and make the most of it? And honestly, like, this may sound crazy, but without COVID, like, I probably wouldn't be the coach of the go-go right now. And so I think it's just, a, again, it's a testament to just making lemonade and making the best out of a situation that has been tough and difficult. How would you describe, Mike, your coaching style? Who were some of your influences back then and maybe even right now? Like, who are you kind of studying to see um, mannerisms, in-game adjustments mm -hmm. before the game, communicating with players, dealing with minutes, referees, all of this stuff. Who have you kind of looked at as an influence? Sure. I mean, it's, I wouldn't say it's just one person. I try to observe. I mean, I'm at most Wizards games, and so I observe everybody. But I think, I mean, immediately the first person coming to mind is Wes, honestly. And, and being able to watch him on the sidelines and especially watching how he doesn't respond to bad calls or unfortunate events, I guess something that I learned just to be a little bit more stoic um, on the sidelines, a little bit more reserved. And it's funny, like watching, you know, I watch a lot of coaches and most of them, most of them are like that in the NBA. And the first couple of games this year, I remember getting so just hot and emotional and it, you lose your focus on the game. And you can't coach yeah. your team effectively. And so observing Wes and, um, and I love watching Monty Williams and Mike Budenholzer and I mean, just, the list goes on and on. Um, but just watching their demeanor, I love sometimes like on ESPN when they have the, the soundtracks and you can hear, in, or is it TNT, one of the two, you can hear inside the huddle and, and just understanding how calm, like Steve Kerr, he's so calm in the huddles when he speaks to the team. His, his voice doesn't, it doesn't rise and fall too dramatically. He's just very even keeled. Um, so just just observing those type of things, but definitely Wes, Monty, Monty Williams, uh, Steve Kerr, Mike Budenholzer, those those four, I guess, in particular, are some that stand out to me. Do you find because you have kind of that level kind of tone with the players, you can get the best version of them when you are trying to make corrections in game? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I don't think anybody loves to be yelled at. 
I, I think people want to be spoken to as human beings. Now, there's times where you have to kind of rile a guy up and maybe you have to raise your tone a bit. But I think for the most part, like I want the players to know where I'm coming from and what they're going to get. I don't want you to be on this, like, I don't know what I'm going to get for him today. Like I'm going to be try to even keel and say, because I know they go through a ton of emotions, right? So they don't need, to me, they don't need a coach that's going to be just as emotional as them. They need somebody to kind of steady the ship and, and be calm. And so that's what I try to do. I don't know if I've done a good job of it, but that's my intention. <laughs> We're all growing as humans. We're talking with Mike Williams, the head basketball coach of the Capital City Go-Go here on the Off the Bench podcast. You know, Mike, you said something very interesting that really clicked with me when you said, you know, if it wasn't for COVID, you might not have had this opportunity. We're going through COVID. And there are a lot of these players that play for the go-go or was in the league and now coming back into league that are getting opportunities because of health and safety protocol. Mm -hmm. And there's one player in particular that really caught my emotion and I got caught up in it uh, when I called the game against the Cleveland Cavaliers and Jaime mm -hmm. checked into the ball game. And it was Jaime against Taco and the crowd went crazy. They wanted to see those guys kind of go at it, but it was after the game where Jaime really got emotional talking about what this opportunity means to him and his country. Right. Uh, did you know before then really just how emotional that moment was for him? And what does this really speak to with these young men that you coach on a daily basis, kind of getting this opportunity in really circumstances we didn't expect? Right. So I did. So when I first met Jaime, I noticed he was wearing a pair of Giannis Greek freaks and on his shoes, he wrote hashtag 50 million, which is in Spanish. And I, I asked him, I said, what does that mean? He said, it represents the population of my hometown or my home country in, in Colombia. I want to be the first. There's been a couple of guys that have been close, but nobody's actually played in the NBA game for my country. So I knew back in September, you know, what or October, what, what that meant to him. And then to see, just to see that dream come to fruition was amazing. And <laughs> it's funny, like we, we, that morning he overslept a little bit and we're all, we're all calling like, hi man, you gotta get up, you gotta get up, you gotta get up. And finally he responds like, coach, I'm on my way, I'm on my way. On my way. <laughs> and then to, watch, to watch the post-game press conference and, and his interviews and to see him tear up and get emotional and talk about how he called his dad and his mom, um, you know, it, it was, it's hard to put into words to see, to help, to feel like you help somebody get to their dream, you know, to be a small part of it. Like I, I honestly, I probably less than 0.1%, but to see, to feel just a small part of helping somebody achieve their dream and to grow and develop, uh, it was, it was truly, truly gratifying. I just, I was so, I was so excited for, for all of them, Jordan Shackle and Jordan Goodwin, Craig, I mean, Craig's been a journeyman in the G League for four years, um, Greg Monroe, who's bounced from the NBA to overseas, back to the NBA. You know, just all, all, our, all our guys that got an opportunity, is, it's just the coolest thing. Um, and I'm just so happy for them. And so with those guys, again, with, with COVID, like, would this opportunity arise if this were a normal NBA season? Possibly. But I think it's a testament to them staying ready and understanding that their time is going to come. And when it does, you got to make the most out of the opportunity that you, that you get. And, and it's, a, it's a true testament to them. How are you not selfish about this? Because it's like they're pulling your players to go up and play, and yet you still have the responsibility of developing and, and really 
winning games. You don't just go out to G League games just to develop players. I mean, there is a sense of you trying to win games also. Sure. Yeah, I mean, if I made this all about me, I don't think I'd be have any success. It's not, it's not about me. My job is to help these guys get to where they want to go. My job is to help my staff get to where they want to go. Um, you know, it's funny. There's a quote in our facility. It's actually from the Mystics. And it says, if you want to lift yourself up, lift others up. Um, and so I'm just trying to, I'm trying to help these guys get to where, where they want to go because at the end of the day, like this is, you know, they're, they're putting in so much time, so much effort, so much work trying to get there. I just want to make sure that they're in the right position to show off their talents and their abilities while also playing together as a team. Um, and so it's an interesting balance with development and winning, but I think you can do both. You, one doesn't have to be exclusive of the other. You know, you can learn, you can learn from, you can learn and become a better player from winning games. You can learn from a better player from losing games. Okay. Maybe at the end, the last two minutes, we fouled in the situation moving forward. Now I have that in my mental, my mental bank. And next time, you know, I, I won't do that. Or just understanding what it actually takes to win is part of player development, right? A lot of times player development gets the rap of, okay, I'm just trying to work on my bag, right? Get in my bag and expand my skills and my shooting and my ball handling and my, my pick and roll play and that. Okay, but there's also like, these guys are trying out, especially the guys that are on standard G League contracts. These guys aren't trying out to be guys who are in their bag. They're trying out to be the 13th, 14th, or 15th guy on the roster. That guy needs to be a great teammate. He needs to play with energy. He needs to defend. And he needs to make the right play. So it's not always just skill development, right? Player development encompasses the entire player, not just your ability in a one-on-one -on -one workout or one-on-one -on -one situation. What do you think about the G League Ignite opportunity for these young men that probably look at college and go, hey, look, I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to waste these universities' time. So it's just such a small percentage of these players, right? But the opportunity to kind of get your, your career started earlier. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's a tremendous opportunity, to be honest, because it's very hard to replic replicate an NBA system and NBA training if you're not around NBA coaches, right? And so Brian Shaw last year and Jason Hart this year, they're doing a tremendous job. We're just exposing these young guys to what it's really like to be an NBA player, to learn how to play the NBA game. Like the NBA game is so different than college. And it's even further away from the high school game. And so to get that, you're just kind of baptized, I don't know another a better term, but baptized by fire almost. Mm -hmm. You're just thrown into the mix. I think it's tremendous. And you know, Isaiah Todd is a perfect example on our team. He's played with us quite a bit. And you can see, like, there's no way he'd be where he is now if he hadn't gone to the Ignite. He'd be way further behind, right? And so his experience last year in the bubble with Ignite, and they only got 15 games. Think about that. Like, if he had a whole season, he'd be even further along. But that experience, it taught him spacing, NBA terminology, NBA concepts. He's been able to carry those things and we continue to develop those things here. And so I, I think it's just the coolest thing, you know, if you have that opportunity to, to take. You know, I'm always curious as to, you were talking about 13, 14, 15 guy on the roster. Uh, you, you have to clearly have the requisite skills to even be considered one of the best 450 on the planet, right? But those opportunities, how close are, most of these G League players to getting to the NBA? And what's what's that one thing you think that can put them over the top? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a there's a very fine line between the best G League players and the guys at the end of the bench on an NBA roster. 
I think a lot of it comes down to what is your definable skill? What is your definable NBA skill? Are you an excellent shooter? Are you an excellent defender, an excellent passer, right? Do you have one thing that like, okay, you bring a tremendous value to this team. You know, I'm not saying you have to be a specialist, but do you do one thing very, very well that you can be relied upon if you are thrown into the game, right? Like take, for example, an Anthony Gill, right? You know, if, if AG gets into the game, He's going to defend, he's going to offensive rebound, and he's going to move the ball. You know it, right? So what is, for G League guys, what is your, what is your definable skill that you can contribute in an NBA game? And, and once you figure what that is for you and then start to own it and start to kind of, you know, really dedicate yourself to that craft, then, then I think you start to see some movement. But I think the line is very, is very fine, you know? I think it's, it's telling that a lot of guys who get caught up in normal seasons aren't usually the guys who are averaging – 25, 26, 27 a game in the G League. You know, sometimes it's a, it's a hustle man or a guy who's just diving on the floor and plays crazy hard defense, you know? It's always that guy. So I think, you know, the line is fine, but guys are close. There's there's a lot of talent in the G. Yeah, I'm going to end with this. Uh, 10 years from now, when I'm old and got a cane and I'm coming to watch you coach wherever you coach, where do you think you'll be in 10 years? No, Chris, that's a that's a hard question. I don't know. I mean, I hope to still be at this level in the NBA. You know, I don't take any of this for granted because I know these jobs, one, these jobs are really hard to come by and they go they go very fast. And there's a lot of really qualified coaches, qual- coaches, honestly, who are more qualified than me to do my job who are out and, and don't have these jobs. Um, and so honestly, I just hope I'm in the mix with, with an NBA team and hopefully it's still here in D.C. and Washington. Um, but I just hope to be coaching. I don't know what exact job, um, but right now I'm just really fortunate to, to be here and, and to help the guys that we have here. Well, I've said it to you in private and I'll say it to you on this podcast, man. I am, uh, I am really proud of you. Uh, I just know the work that you put in what I call like the unseen hours where people just don't see, you know, like you were saying before, you know, you know, getting Gatorade, getting a towel, wiping off the floor, helping a guy rebound, do the things that kind of help others succeed. I've seen you do that since 2018. And to say now you're the head coach of a, of a G League team is, uh, even for me, is kind of like pretty cool. So, Mike, I always appreciate your time, man. Best of luck when every game you coach, and uh, we'll see you down the road. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate you.